Imagine, if you will, in an alternate universe, there's an alternate version of Luke Baumgarten living in an alternate version of Spokane, yelling into an alternate version of this very microphone for a version of the Range podcast that talks about nothing except how badly Spokane County does not need a new jail. It might seem a little strange to imagine given the last nine months of me sitting behind this desk talking to you almost weekly, not quite weekly, sometimes every couple weeks. Do my best, guys. It might seem strange given that history, but that universe was almost our own because... I'm really sorry, guys. Let me just... uh, Hold on. Just one second. There we go. Twilight Zone music, very atmospheric, really set the mood, but really hard to record a monologue over. Where was I? Oh yeah, that future was almost our own because in the before times, before COVID, before George Floyd, when I was wanting to do a podcast that was focused on our region, but in conversation with national issues and movements, but that didn't yet have the immediate hook of a global pandemic or a worldwide movement to end the murder and mass incarceration of people of color and the poor... The Spokane County Jail was actually one of the things that kept popping up as a subject that people I was talking to and and myself felt deserved like a deep exploration it had never gotten in the past. Here's why. There are persistent desires from certain powers that be to build a new jail for a lot of different reasons for the better part of a decade. It's been almost 10 years to the day since a new jail was proposed and then scuttled, but it keeps popping up. It keeps popping up. Despite the fact that Seemingly everyone I talk to, left, right, and center, seems to believe the jail is bad. Anecdotally, obviously, I'm not conducting polls, but nobody seems to want a new jail. Progressive people think jail is inhumane. People in the center and on the right think jail is expensive, which it is. Doesn't mean that they don't like locking people up all the time or haven't thought much about it, but generally speaking, when it comes around to the question of, oh, do you want to maybe raise taxes for a new jail, even conservative folks are like, no, 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 no. But the jail is inhumane. It's bad. A staggering number of people die in the jail, including committing suicide, which I don't care how tough on crime you are or how tough on crime you want our society to be. I don't know anyone who thinks it's a good idea to create conditions inside a facility that are so bleak and so uncontrolled that people, one, want to kill themselves at all, but then two, can easily find the means to do it. That is very bad. And to be clear, as we discussed at length in our Independence Day episode, which is not in the alternate universe, I think it's it's the July 4th episode with Angel Tomio and Sabrina Ryan Helton of The Bail Project, 70% of inmates on any given day have not been convicted of anything. They're just too poor to post bail. So imagine putting that sort of suicidal stress on people who haven't actually been convicted of anything. And so pre-COVID, when authorities once again talked about how overcrowded our jail was and that they needed to build a new jail... They couldn't even say that it was overcrowded with like, you know, what we traditionally would call like hardened convicted criminals. It's not. On any given day, those 70% of people behind bars are stuck there not because of the severity of any alleged or convicted crimes, but because of how much money they have in their bank accounts while they await trial. They cannot afford the bail that has been arbitrarily set for them. That's it. That's their only crime at that point. Doesn't mean they won't get convicted in the future, but at that moment, their only crime is being poor. So the obvious thing here in my mind and in the minds of a lot of the people and the reason this you know early version of range was uh, being contemplated is just to change our bail standards and release more people on their own recognizance. 
I mean, spoiler alert, I would love to die knowing that cash bail has been eradicated altogether because it's immoral, unethical, and I would even argue unconstitutional, but, you know, baby steps. And even those different bail standards were too far for folks. Some folks, anyways. Tough on crime folks would say, oh, we can't do that. They're criminals, whether they've been convicted or not. And if we let them out, they'll just do more crime. And it's hard to disprove a negative assertion like that because we've never done it, right? We've never said like, yeah, let's, let's just try locking fewer people up for a while and see if that has any adverse or positive effects on crime. But then, again, at the dawn of COVID, COVID struck, we released hundreds of jail inmates on their own recognizance to prevent the entire jail from completely turning into a Petri dish. And this little experiment that no one ever dared perform in the past was suddenly in full swing. This was mid-March 2020. By July, three months into that experiment, Range wrote one of its first newsletters on exactly this subject. We went and looked. The jail population was at half of what it had historically been, hovering closer to 500 people than 1,000, and the 1,000 number had been there for years. So had crime rates in Spokane gone up, the answer unequivocally was no, they hadn't. Things had moved around. Domestic violence was up. Murder was up, which is obviously troubling, but Petty theft was different and down a little bit. Overall, the crime rate unequivocally was down, period, full stop. So that kind of takes the legs out of we can't, we have to lock people up argument. It's absolute bullshit. We finally did the experiment that could have proved whether or not we needed to lock up a thousand people in Spokane every single day of the week, every year for decades. And the answer was no, we don't. And this is especially fascinating when You think about the rumored cost of what this new jail would be, the jail that would propose to increase the capacity from like 540, which is now overcrowded to 1,000, to a 1,200-person jail. The cost of the jail that was floated in 2011 was 190 and $250 million, somewhere in there. It never made it to voters, largely because of the cost, as we'll hear from uh, County Commissioner French in a second. But that hasn't stopped French and Ozzy Knezovich from pushing it. As recently as late 2018, French said the county was looking to bring the new jail topic back to the table. Quote, it might involve bonds, it might involve a sales tax, it might involve being able to achieve enough efficiencies in the system to where we don't have to go to the voters and all of these options are on the table, French said, to Creme 2 News. I don't think the community was ready to invest $200 million in a jail, and so now we are looking at something that is much less than that, French said. But construction costs have skyrocketed since 2011. And land is a lot more expensive now, too. So the question becomes, how could they possibly make this new jail, which is more than double the size of the current jail, cheaper? And if they actually do it, what would a 1,200 inmate facility, again, more than double the size of the current jail, what would it be made out of? Toothpicks? None of this makes any sense, and yet it's still moving forward. But while rumors of a new jail have continued percolating, nothing concrete has happened in a while now. Until a week ago. The big unknown in this debate... Like we know jail's a bad idea. People don't like experts don't like it. The sheriff and the county's own experts say we don't need a new jail. The big unknown in this debate so far, though, has been how the public itself feels about a new jail. You have certain elected officials who want it, and I think marginally more who don't. But if it's a bond or a sales tax increase, what well, that's going to go to the voters. And if it goes to the voters, it's no longer a political struggle between elected officials. It's a messaging campaign to try to convince just normal people whether or not to raise their own taxes. So How does the public feel about a new jail? We never really knew until now. Last week, Fuse Washington, a statewide progressive organization with an office in Spokane, 
released the top-level highlights of a poll they conducted specifically about a new Spokane County jail and whether Spokaneites would support a 0.2% sales tax increase to fund it. 0.2% is the same number the STA Transit Initiative asked for, and that initiative passed, so it's a number Spokaneites are comfortable with. Fuse then further asked if, instead of a new jail, Spokies would be interested in a 0.2% sales tax increase that helped fund mental health, housing, and other services. So the contrary question was, well, whether or not you want a jail, what about raising taxes 0.2% to fund more mental health services, help people get off the streets, get out of homelessness and houselessness, and other services that we know contribute, they're part of the long tail that contributes to people ending up in jail eventually. Addiction recovery services, stuff like that. And the results... In our Republican-leading county, remember, this is a countywide thing, not a citywide thing, our Republican-leading county, the results are fascinating. Last thing I'll say before I start, this is not a normal episode of Range. This was just an informational call with Jim Dawson, Fuse's program manager in Spokane. I only recorded it so I could make notes later, and I wasn't intending it to be an actual episode, but the conversation was so good that I found myself really wanting to get more of this info out there, and sooner because there is some really good news for all of us, my dear, sweet listeners. But here's the thing. As a rule, pollsters don't like talking too deeply about their data because it generally has information on not just how they might win, but also how their opponents might make their pitch less crappy. So what follows isn't the whole interview for those reasons, but it's enough to really underscore the key takeaways from the poll in a way that I think offers a lot of hope. Hope that we might eventually, finally put this whole jail thing to bed. Polls are very expensive, and because of that, we very rarely get local polling on things. And on top of that, I appreciate Jim letting me use some of our discussion to help animate the dynamics of the potential jail fight to come. But again, it's not the whole interview, so we're going to be cutting around, ducking and weaving to sort of find the meat of the meat of the public perception of this new jail. What do you think? Sound like a fun 30 minutes? We'll talk about all that with Jim Dawson of Fuse coming up. I'm Luke Baumgarten, and this is Range. Episode 25. Stop trying to make jail happen. It's not going to happen. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm pretty good. Well, I'm super excited to hear about this thing. Yeah. So why don't I just run you through these polling slides? Yeah, that'd be great. And you can just ask questions and if we'll go from there. Okay. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. So can you see the first slide here now? Uh, yes, I can. Let me pull up. I'm making some notes here. Just a second. All right. Yeah, go for it. I'm ready. Okay. So yeah, so we did the poll December 5th through the 9th is an online poll with this change research firm, which is a national firm that... It's really refined online polling technology to really deal with how like phone polls are becoming really inaccurate because no one does landlines anymore. And you then have to hand dial uh, cell phones. And so there's a lot of skewed kind of data issues with phone polls. And so their polling has become known as really accurate. So we used them once before in Spokane with a mayor's race. So yes, that's a firm. Um, We did 503 people filled out the poll. It was meant to be reflective of kind of the 2020 voting population or electorate. The margin error was uh, plus or minus 4.36%. And they definitely weighted the parameters um, to reflect voter file data and election results. Mm, Okay. 
So basically, this poll tried to get as close to the population of people who just voted in the 2020 presidential election in our area as possible, I think within the bounds of Spokane County, right? So what they're trying to do is identify likely voters, and they're using the most recent data to get there. So we opened up the poll with a bigger, broader question about the best way to deal with the problem of law breaking. Some say we should hold people accountable and being tough on crime and jailing people for their offenses. Others say it's more important to correct problems like poverty, addiction, and discrimination that are the root causes of crime. What's your opinion? Hmm. We found a pretty split electorate countywide, 53% leaning towards root causes, 47% on get tough on crime kind of mentality, which given the Republican lean of the county is actually pretty good for us. Yeah. Um, but we're, that people are a little leaning in our favor now and you see a huge demographic split. 61% of women support addressing root causes, 94% of Democrats and lean Democrats versus the tough on crime being 56% men and uh, 84% Republicans and leaners. Wow. So let's just underscore that really quickly. Only 47% of people supported in that initial question before any other thing was said, the tough on crime, sort of, we need a new jail, we need to lock people up mentality, whereas 53% of people sided with what are generally considered to be best practices, attacking the root causes of things like poverty, which lead to law-breaking or rule-breaking behavior like theft, right? In, in very, very few cases are there like Thomas Crown Affairs style, like cat burglars who make the choice to be career thieves. It's generally an economic response. And this first question shows 53% of people countywide, so not just, you know, the crime lords and cultural Marxists of the city of Spokane, <laughs> but like countywide, there's already a six point disparity toward root causes as opposed to more just punishing people more. So that's good. And then the demographic breakdown is more or less what we'd expect, to be honest. Democrats or people who lean Democrats and women tend to be more in favor of the less incarceral, the less punitive approach, whereas Republicans and men by a Republicans by a massive majority and men by a plurality are more likely to just say lock them up. That's not surprising data and maybe actually suggests that this is a well-conducted poll. I'm not a pollster and not a data scientist, but it seems like if the macro demographic numbers more or less line up with national trends or conventional wisdom or whatever, the greater confidence you can have that a somewhat surprising result like 53% of people who live in Spokane County not wanting a new jail is actually an accurate reflection of sentiment and not just like a polling error. So I don't want to belabor the point, but really quickly, of the people that they polled, 50% voted for Donald Trump, 46% voted for Joe Biden, an additional 2% voted for Joe Jorgensen, the libertarian candidate. So that's like, say, 52% conservative, 46% progressive. Uh, there was a Green Party, 1% as well. So 47. So basically 52 to 47, conservative to progressive but their feelings about the jail was exactly inverted from what you'd expect. So 53% of people were like, no, let's focus on root causes rather than just locking people up all the time. And 47% were in favor of the, the more tough on crime things at, in the abstract. We should also know that the only politician that had a net, net favorable rating 
was Ozzy Knezovich at plus 23. So this group actually does like law enforcement in general, plus 23. Uh, 33% had a very favorable, 18% had a somewhat favorable. So 51% of people polled at least liked Ozzy a little bit, and only 14 and 14 so 28% total had a somewhat or very unfavorable opinion about Ozzy Knezovich. So these are not anti-cop, anti-jail people by any stretch. They actually, the, they were negative one on Donald Trump, negative uh, five or no, negative seven on Joe Biden, negative 11 on Kamala Harris and Kim Jong Inslee uh, came <laughs> dead last at a negative 12 net favorable rating. So that seems very, very significant to me. All right, let's keep going. So on some level, Democrats are a lot more passionate about this than Republicans, but this level of split is pretty, you know, significant. I I have noticed that, and I was like, God, I can't, I was looking at a different national poll that wasn't about crime. Oh no, it was something on like Medicare for all, I think. Uh, It feels like the very in favors have shifted from the, you know, like Republicans are very, very against Medicare for all, or Republicans are very, very into tough on crime has sort of shifted where the fervor almost seems like um, the momentum is is with more progressive stuff. And I don't know if you feel like that is borne out with this data, but it's certainly with like, you know, 94% of Democrats are supporting root causes versus 84% of Republicans. I would have expected numbers like that a few years ago to have been switched where there's, you know, just slightly more fervor on the right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that right now, uh, especially on this issue, there's a lot of passion on the Democratic side of things after the George Floyd protests and whatnot. And, and, you know, I think in general, Donald Trump has been great for the progressive movement, right? Like just in mobilizing people and getting people to really get active and get passionate about things. So I don't want to take up too much time, but do you think there's any chance did the did the change research people talk about the one of the phenomena around polling Trump supporters was that that he always got undercounted. Do you think there's any chance of that happening here or? Well, we didn't poll specifically on Trump. Sure. Um, I think we, I mean, we did ask in the cross tabs, like if he voted for Trump or Biden, okay. you know, post election. Gotcha. So I think that it matters way less in this circumstance because people can identify however they want. Right. 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 And it's not about whether they support Trump or not. So I would be less worried about that in this dynamic. All right. So the next minute or two, we talked about strategy that Jim wanted to sort of keep secret, which is his prerogative, because this was a privately conducted poll that he allowed me to get eyes on with uh, with some bounds around which content I would share publicly. So Let's just get the old walk-in music, the old girl from Ipanema going, and uh, we'll work our way around to a couple minutes later where we get to more top-line stuff. Go. So, yeah, I think these numbers are so bad for them that I don't think it would be significant enough for them to have a path to this proposal. So... Mm. The question that we asked, we tried to word it very similarly to ballot language. um, And we modeled it after the STA transit measure, which was a sales tax increase too. Okay. So the second question, which Jim doesn't read out, so I'll, I'll read it for you, is specifically around support for a new jail. So the last one is just general. What's your general feelings? What's the best approach to sort of people who commit crimes or lawlessness or whatever we want to say? This is specifically about support for a new jail. And he's saying here that it's done in the sort of language that you might find on a ballot initiative. And the reason that's important 
is that you want, you know, it's like you could create a really um, polemical poll, for lack of a better term. It's like, do you think we should lock people up forever? And then a bunch of people would say no, you know, and you might, and there actually might be a political value to that because then you could say like, look how badly people don't want this poll. What Fuse tried to do instead, which I think is pretty smart, is make it feel kind of like those confusing ballot measures we all read and we have to like talk to our friends and be like, what does this actually mean? Is this a good thing or a bad thing, right? So it's an attempt to get people's honest reaction to the sort of language you would find in a ballot measure if you would have like, you know, opened it up like I just did with the uh, school levy that we just got in the mail and reading it for the first time, cold read, how do you feel with no other research or no other anything about the sort of language you might find on the ballot. And so here's what it reads like. The Spokane County commissioners are considering a proposition to increase its sales and use tax authority to fund the building of a new 1,200-bed jail to replace the current county jail. This proposition would increase the sales tax by 0.2%. Do you support or oppose increasing sales tax by 0.2% to fund the new 1,200-bed jail in Spokane County? So now when we dive back in, Jim's going to be talking about how they other ways they could have worded it, because it's not like this is a written by robots. There is sort of a style and a form that they require you to sort of cleave to, which is one of the reasons it's so confusing. So that question is written in the style that you're required to write in for ballot measures, but it's not like this is the only way it could have been written. So that's just something to note. But overall, that there's only 40% support um, for a sales tax increase to fund a new jail. is important and significant. And so, and that was going to be my other question was like the way you guys uh, worded this was, was trying to get it as close to what a ballot measure would look like, as opposed to like testing messaging or the way some, you know, other people would. Well, we did both. Yeah, we did both. Yeah. And, and I'll, and we'll walk through that too. Um, So. Okay, sweet. I'll just, I'll stop interrupting. (laughs) Oh no, it's all good. No, it's great. So, so basically it's like 40% um, support the jail, 52% oppose, 8% undecided in the initial question um, that we asked, right? Okay. Yep. Um, And then we just posed a less ballot language, but kind of opposite uh, proposal, which is what if we raise the sales tax to fund solutions like affordable housing treatment for mental health and substance use disorders. And, uh, it's just to see where people are at, right. To see like, yeah. are people just in an anti-tax mood, right. And there's no yeah. support for anything right. or, you know, is there actually more support? And that's where we found 58% of voters support increasing the sales tax countywide by 0.2% to fund wow. these alternatives, which was, that was the most surprising thing to me, honestly, in the poll. I like yeah. expected the jail to be wildly unpopular, but I didn't really know where countywide people would stand. Like that's like pretty good numbers. Okay. So I'll read this question real quick. It's again, less ballot language, uh, more expansive, but nonetheless, I think it's a fascinating insight into how people feel in the county. And as, you, as I'm reading this and then giving you the numbers, remember that this is based on a polling population of uh, people who, as a, as a group, had a net favorability rating of plus 23 for Ozzy Knezovich and only minus one for Donald Trump. So people who maybe think our conservative leaders locally are doing a pretty good job and that don't have a massively negative opinion of Donald Trump. So it reads... Instead of building a big new jail, some leaders in the community are proposing to invest revenue from a 0.2% tax increase in solutions proven to reduce crime and the jail population, such as access to affordable housing, 
treatment for mental health and substance use disorders, programs for youth, and job training programs, do you support or oppose increasing sales tax by 0.2% to fund these new programs? 35% strongly support. 24% somewhat support. That's 58% total of, again, residents in the county. That's amazing. I mean, I will say like the language we used here is less neutral. It wasn't ballot language. You know, like that, we said solutions proven to reduce crime in the jail population. Yeah. Like you wouldn't get that in a ballot measure. Um, right, right. But in general, good contrast. Good to see there's a lot stronger support for this stuff instead. And that's great. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, man. Well, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. All right. Have a good one. See you, Jim. So there we go. Not the longest episode of range ever, but still, I think incredibly useful. Thank you once again to Jim Dawson, uh, for coming on the show, uh, or rather retroactively letting me use, uh, notes that I was taking as an actual episode. Thanks also to fuse Washington for doing this poll in the first place. I wasn't sure I'd even be able to get an episode out this week. To be honest, it's been a fun, but hectic couple weeks at Ranch HQ trying to build for the future, trying to create a stable and workable recording schedule. And I've been doing a lot of behind the scenes work after commissioning our first essay from Joan Braun. I've commissioned Range's first piece of real original reporting that should be out in a week or two. Super excited about that. Not going to spoil it, but it's going to be very cool. And I've done a bunch of other back office and planning stuff too. So (laughs) to be honest, I'm glad to get anything out at all this week. And I think it turned out being really, really good. Like I said, I'm doing my best, guys. More broadly, though, this whole <laughs> stupid Twilight Zone uh, thing that I decided to add to the beginning here kind of has me reflecting that, like, I started Range last April as a place to basically talk about my feelings, to be honest. And it's quickly become a thing that people seem to depend on for news and analysis about this weird, wild place we live at this weird, wild time we live. I also think I personally depend on it for my sanity rather than screaming into the void and hearing the void scream back. I get to scream into this here microphone and you, dear listeners, uh, you're the ones screaming back. So I feel less alone. Hopefully you feel less alone too. And all that is good by itself. But here's the other thing, even better. It's beginning to feel like we're building this damn thing into an actual news operation. It feels like it's taking forever, but looking back on the last nine months and really since November when we really kicked this off in a big way... It's actually happening pretty quickly. We are becoming formidable, and so much of that is because of y'all. The people who listen to the show and the people who share our content, who subscribe to the newsletter, and the people who tell their friends about us, it's humbling how much range is resonating with people. And so here's where I ask you to go further. If you like what we're doing, if it makes your heart sing to hear us articulate a passionate, compassionate vision for the Spokane region, please help us by becoming a sustaining member of range if you can afford it. $10 a month, $100 a year, We keep all this content free very purposefully so that anybody can access it. Anybody can learn from it. Anybody can draw strength from it. But we also rely on people who can afford to give to give. To do that, head over to rangemedia.co. Once again, rangemedia, www.rangemedia.co. We literally can't do any of what we're planning without you. So become a member if you can. And if you're already a member, thank you so, so much. Have a good weekend, everyone. Jail. Happen. It's not going to happen.